0: Welcome back to DC TV on Get Into Geek. My name is Mitch here to talk all things Arrowverse and beyond. Now we are still a few weeks out from the premiere of Superman and Lois coming up at the end of February, and the return of the Flash in the beginning of March. So once again, we are all Batwoman this week on the podcast. So let's talk episode three of season two of Batwoman, Batgirl, magic. I'm not even sure that's how that's supposed to go. Alright, I think even I'm getting a bit overstarting so negatively about the show. The last two weeks, been a bit much, and it's not at all what I'm intending to do. It just happens to come out. So, let's talk about something great right from the top. I actually really dug the way this episode started. It was great to see a Batman bad guy like Victor Zazz pop up and... While the hotel room was a very clean setting, the brutality and emotionless way Zaz went about his work really painted the sociopathic aspect of his character, or at least for this show's restrictions, because they're not going to be able to show exactly what this guy's capable of. It actually reminded me a little bit of uh, the Gotham series, which, look, for all of its silliness, it was a real twisted show when painting just how dark Gotham City is and how much it can be. Now, I actually can't believe I forgot to mention last week the whole Alice and Sophie being kidnapped by Sophia's people thing. In fairness, we didn't get much to go on. It was sort of the last 30 seconds of the episode. But here we are. We find Alice and Sophie on the beautiful remote island of green screen, where the mysterious Sophia is telling Alice that she, in fact, had nothing to do with Kate's disappearance, despite that mysterious letter from two episodes ago claiming just that. So... An instant question, who wrote the letter? Or at least who scribbled on the newspaper. Speaking of questions, why doesn't Luke Fox recognize Victor Zaz? Knowing the long history of he and Batman, surely Zsasz has been caught once, or at the very least, Batman has identified him, if not caught him, and therefore Luke or the Bat-computer would have full details on who he is. And even when they did facial recognition, he didn't immediately jump up and Zaz has returned or some other kind of really awfully line that I've just made now. But surely they could make something better. It wasn't until Ryan herself identified who Victor Zaz was, which, again, just seemed like it was a little bit too much trying to get her involved and and up her worthiness to the team that she could identify one of the worst hitmen for hire or serial killers this city has ever seen instead of Luke, someone who has been working with, or at least his father has been working with Batman for years. Zaz's follow-up scenes do even more to assist that build-up of his character, that silent assault on the medical lab, the, the killing of those two people, and his reaction to Batwoman being in his apartment. All great stuff and how calm he was under all of those situations. So I take it you're the replacement? What happened to the old one? she get killed? Or... Are you like Sammy Hagar to her David Lee Roth? You're looking at me and wondering which old white guy I am? Ugh, kids today. No sense of history. The only letdown being, not that he had a rocket launcher at the ready at his bar, I actually kind of liked just the ridiculousness of that, but that he was willing to fire it inside the apartment. A psychopath, yes. A sociopath, yes, he may be. But I don't see him going suicidal just to avoid capture by someone even he identified as not the real Batwoman. not gonna sweat some freak who uses his skin as a knife sharpener. Well, at least it's my skin, because, and I'm only being honest, you don't seem very comfortable in yours. It's like trying to pass for somebody else. I didn't design the damn suit. I can tell. So what would he have done had Batwoman not jumped out the window as quickly as she did and the rocket actually hit her inside his apartment? Surely that would have killed him. And surely he would know that. So I don't think it went anywhere beyond just looking cool on screen. In the final battle between Zaz and Batwoman, he does refer to having met Batman at least in a fight. So there is potential out there for him to have actually never been caught. But in the return of that the, the radio host, Vespa Fairchild, I want to say. Jeez, don't make me look up season one details. And her monologues uh, on the radio are almost acting like a bit of an exposition, you know, while we go through the little drone shots of the city. The bat is back in black. Last night Gotham's newest resident made a dramatic debut, putting the pizzazz in taking down Zazz. Now is that just a fun title or does she know Zazz because of his prolific crimes, therefore hinting at Batman having taken him down in the past? Either way, you would hope that someone like Batman would have found a way to stop him, especially considering Ryan did so in their first actual hands-on fight. Now don't you dare tell me, and this isn't a gender issue, don't you dare tell me That she did something that Batman hadn't done in surely several meetings, or at the very least, once before. But for all of that, it was simply the story of the week. And as much fun as it was, seeing someone like Victor Zazz or any kind of Batman bad guy with the lore and the mythology behind him, the far less interesting secondary story provided the juiciest part of the episode. Sophia claiming to not have been involved in Kate's death. You always were my best student. But I'm afraid you've been misinformed. I didn't blow up your sister's plane. Someone wants you to think I killed Kate when the truth is I haven't thought about her or you since you left this island five years ago. She goes so far to say not only did she not kill Kate, but that Kate is alive and not only that, she has possession of Kate. A very alive Kate. Now, of course, that could all be part of some evil ploy, but to what end. Sophia said in a number of different ways in a number of different settings that Kate was alive and that she would be delivered back to Alice. Why lie about that? Why apart from the obvious and it being Alice's one great weakness but I don't know maybe it is as simple as that but considering the implications of not only the show in world but also the behind the scenes of the actual television show why make such a big promise? Why quote-unquote, kill Kate off-screen in Episode 1, push on with her death in Episode 2, and then have the likes of Luke and especially Mary begin to really accept Kate's death here in Episode 3, only to, and this is if Sophia's promise is to be a complete lie, kill Kate off-screen again in a future episode. It just seems like too much if they are trying to move on from Ruby Rose, or more importantly, Kate Kane being a part of this world. And how about the name drops at the end? My God, the episode starts with what seems to be a no-name drug dealer in a mask, dishing out the latest you know, go-to substance on the street that leads to Commander Kane tasking the crows with finding the operation and shutting it down from my city. Only for at the end, two police officers say this. Commander says to go after the head of the snake. According to my CI, that guy is at the top of the False face Society. You got a name? Not yet. Get one. I'm not giving the boss a photos so from doing the black mask. Black mask! We just had Victor Zazz, now we're getting a Black Mask name drop. This episode proves recognizable Batman bad guys, like Zazz, have previously existed in this world. But with this, I'm I'm guessing that Black Mask hasn't been one of them. And am I remembering correctly that it was released before this series returned for season two that Black Mask actually was going to be a part of it? Right, look, I'm not gonna look it up. I'm just gonna wait. Well you guys can hit me up in the socials. And then right on the cusp of the episode ending the way that we think it's going to end, with Sophie telling Commander Kane, Kate's father, that she believes that Kate is still alive, we get this with Kane referring to the contents on Kate's phone. Do you have any idea what in the hell Kate was doing looking into a painting by Jack Napier? Boom! The goddamn Joker! Or at least the name given to him in multiple pieces of source material. Look, not only that. Making the Joker or Jack Napier a painter, but at the very least, having him delved in art the same way that Jack Nicholson's Joker did in the 89 Batman. It's weird that the show felt like it needed these two name drops so late in the piece when they were already going to fade out with Sophie telling Kane about Kate's possible survival. But on the upset that they did... Far and away, for me, the best episode of the season so far. Look, the first two episodes didn't set a high bar, and really, it's the best of three episodes, okay? It's not a great competition. But I like the way that it started. It got the ball rolling very early. There wasn't as much trying to force Ryan into the story. Obviously, the end of last week, we saw Mary and Luke come to some kind of agreement that Ryan could wear Kate's suit until Kate comes back. Obviously, Mary believes, as we find out in this episode, that's less likely than what Luke is holding out. And Luke's okay, as we see here as well, that Mary believes that. He's just okay, not believing that she's dead either. And he takes steps himself, establishing a better working relationship with Ryan. And I wanted to say I'm sorry for being so hard on you. You kicked some major ass yesterday. I get it. You miss Kate, but I need you to give me a chance, a real chance, Till she's back. Yeah, deal. As good as the zaz element of the episode was and the name drop of Black Mask, I'm hoping they don't start using this show as just an easy excuse just to bring out Batman's rogues gallery. I'll admit, I know nothing about Batwoman's rogues gallery. I have no idea who her bad guys are beyond Alice in this TV show. So if they are going to pepper in some of Batman's baddies, hopefully they do so sparingly and it fits in well the fact that these guys do still exist and they are still going to pop their head up and maybe even more so now that Batman has been gone for as long as he is and while I have wanted the last couple of weeks for the show to adequately move on from Kate Kane and Ruby Rose it seems in this episode it is really split down the middle where you have Ryan and Luke and Mary actually taking the show and moving it into the future beyond Kate beyond Ruby Rose while Alice and Sophia and Sophie are still very much in that Kate camp and while we get Mary accepting Kate as being dead and trying to convince Luke of the same so that they can move on with their lives the other side of it is Sophia telling Alice who then tells Sophie that Kate is still alive and can be returned to them if Alice is allowed to continue on with what she was doing. The further it goes on, I think that is what the writers are wanting you to believe, that Kate will come back, because that was our Batwoman for season one. But let's just speculate. Even if Ruby Rose wanted to come back or the show said, no, we're definitely bringing back Kate Kane. Ruby Rose is gone, but Kate Kane is coming back. What then do they do with the Avicii Leslie's Ryan Wilder character? So much excitement went into her casting that we do get this diverse casting when you consider the leads of the entire Arrowverse itself. Again, save for Black Lightning, which at this stage has only been very loosely connected. That there is no way they're going to cast a Black lead as a replacement character and then for that other non-Black lead to come back and then push the Black lead into a sidekick role or a separate hero role. In story, that might make sense, and Ryan Wilder might be one to, if Kate was to come back and take on the Batwoman mantle once again, that Ryan would want to establish her own personality and her own hero to better represent those who she wants to stand up and fight for. But as far as a television show that is going out to audiences and trying to hit certain demographics, there is no way that is going to happen. The writers know this. The producers know this. The actors know this. Why then do they keep pushing on with these story elements that keep promising that Kate is going to come back? If I'm putting money on it, she's not coming back. But I'm happy to be proven wrong, and hopefully, if they do bring her back, they do it in a way that pleases everybody and even that coming out of my mouth it tastes pretty bad because we know it's never going to happen that's all for dctv this week we are back again on the next podcast to talk batwoman episode four just a few short weeks shy of the premiere of Superman and Lois, which the trailers for that are actually looking very, very good. Almost too hopeful if you are a bit of a hater and criticizer of the CW shows. But let's hold out hope. The trailers look great, and it's a new character. It's the first time Superman's been on screen in God knows how long on TV. Let's hope for the best. Until then, more Batwoman back next podcast of DCTV. We'll catch you then. Get into geek.